My name is Harrison Wheeler, and this is Technically Speaking. This show is produced in collaboration with Studio Pod Media. For information on our episodes, articles, and professional community, head to technicallyspeakinghw.com today. Let's get into the details of today's show. Cat Small is a cat lover, karaoke singer, writer, and gamer. She's currently leading the design of goals at Asana. And in this episode, we go deep into her vision of design management and the key elements to build a successful design team, as well as what senior designers leadership means. Do you wanna know what the day-to-day work inside Asana's goals product team is like? Get ready to join this interesting conversation and discover it. Hey everybody, my name is Harrison Wheeler and welcome to another episode of Technically Speaking. Today I have Kat Small, who is a staff designer, cat lover, karaoke singer, writer, gamer. Tell us more about yourself. I feel like I didn't get like everything. I do a bunch of random stuff. That was a great list of the many things I love to do. One of the things I put in my Twitter bio was like snoot booper because I'm like a, a world-renowned dog aunt also. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a pretty good list. I love like games. I love interactive design. Like I love art. I like to read. I like to write. Like I just want to be as creative as possible in all of the ways humanly possible. Yeah, I think what's impressive about all of that is like you've been consistent with it. Like. You know, I, I, I've i looked up your stuff. I obviously investigated, but it's like, you're still making games. I think your latest article came out like earlier this month. Like, how do you keep up with all of that? Is that just like a part of who you are? Maybe, maybe kind of tell us about that. Yeah, I think um, I, well, what I'll say for the horoscope fans out there is that I am a Capricorn. And <laughs> one of the things that I feel like is the most Capricorn energy is just like, I like goals. I like lists. Like I really enjoy coming up with things that I want to do, things that are within a, an achievable scope. So last year I set a goal for myself that was writing once a month and six of those I wanted to be an article that was published somewhere on my blog or on like Asana Designs blog or something like that. And then the other six, I wanted to be emails. And like, that's honestly how I actually consistently (laughs) stick to things is I say, here's something like I'm prioritizing this thing for the next whatever amount of time it is. And, and that's, if I didn't do that, I think it, it just means that for the time being, it doesn't matter to me. So actually last year, I had a good amount of time where I wasn't working on a game because I I would just kind of like stare at the screen and like kind of melt a little bit. <laughs> but then I was able to, after some time, I think, come back to it. So I think there's also definitely an element of, of taking space from things and doing something else for a while. And that's why I do so many things is because sometimes I get bored with one thing and I need to go away from it and then come back to it later. And it feels like new again. Yeah. So there's big Capricorn energy on this podcast because I actually am Capricorn as well. (laughs) January 10th. When is your birthday? December 28th. Ah, so, okay. So you're in December. Yeah. I apparently am like a six or seven time Capricorn. Like my chart is just like almost all Capricorn and it's, it's wild, but yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. See, I'm I like, I'm not really into horoscopes like that, but (laughs) anytime like that I see anything positive, 
because I feel like everyone just rags on Capricorns. I'm oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm happy for you, Leos and you yeah. Aquarius, <laughs> and that you can post all this like drama about yourself yeah. and it's the Gemini season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gemini, like, you know, but but Capricorns, we get work done. I feel like we just don't get the respect we deserve. This is accurate. Yeah. No, I think a lot of the memes yeah. are like, yeah, you want as much power as possible and as much money as possible. And you know what? That's correct. But you know, like <laughs> these can, you know, if, if you use that power in a reasonable way, then like that can be that can be cool. Like I I don't know. But I also feel like it's a very Capricorn thing to say, like, I don't really think about the, you know, I don't really believe in like astrology or any of that stuff. So let's let's hold true to our yeah. our Capricorn self. Let's hold true to it. <laughs> yeah. So look, you, you said you get into a lot of different things. Is there anything in particular this year that you're looking to kind of do that might be outside of the box or maybe picking up what you put down? Yeah, I have been picking up some game dev stuff more recently. I actually did. Uh, I've, I've joined into the Global Game Jam for the first time since uh, it's probably been like five years at least since I last did it. And for those who don't know, the Global Game Jam is this annual global uh games hackathon type thing yeah. where you <laughs> you know you come together with some people and and you make a game and there's a theme that comes out i will not spoil it you have to go to their website to find out what the theme is but yeah i haven't done that in a very long time and i think during the past couple of years i've really felt like i particularly missed that feeling of making a game with other people whether it's like on a video call together or like in an actual room so it's felt really invigorating to do that again yeah i think i'm going to continue writing more i set another goal to write more things this year same amount as last year and yeah i want to i i feel like i did some art stuff last year but i want to set more goals for myself in regards to that, because I used to draw comics every single time I took the subway and I was commuting every single day by train. So I amassed so many things over the span of like a single year. And I really miss being the kind of person who was drawing on the train. So I want to do that more often as well. Yeah. And I'd imagine drawing on the train kind of was not the priority given COVID at one point in time. Yeah, so yeah. Why, <laughs> why that would kind of slow down, right? Yeah, yeah. I just like, I don't know. I think there's there's a couple of things. Like I transitioned to drawing on an iPad also. And I was kind of like, people are a, a bit rowdy right now. So I don't know. Like I barely get on the train anymore as is. Like I think, yeah, yeah there's some logistical things that I want to figure out about that. But I'm probably going to end up just going back to paper. And, and that'll be really fun. Yeah. So you, I want to go back to the game piece. Like, I don't think we ever talked about it. How many games have you designed and like what type of genre are your games? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I have a bunch of games on my website, catsmall.com slash games. And let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then there's like a couple that I didn't finish that are not on here because I was not super proud of them. Um, so I'm going to say somewhere between like 10 to like 15. There's some that I've also like made art for and stuff like that. Um, I also have like an itch.io page where some of them live. But yeah, my, my games are mostly like they're usually something about like like a slice of human existence, like a vignette of sorts, as my friend Nina Freeman might call it. She makes a lot of vignette games. I really like this concept of 
what's something that you do kind of regularly that could be turned into a game? So one game I'm really proud of was called Breakup Squad. And in that game, there's five people who can play at the same time. And you are playing as either two exes who are trying to get back together at a party or you're the three friends who want to keep them apart because they're really toxic for each other. And that's in a nutshell, like the kind of game that I think I enjoy making the most, which is like some kind of like social interaction type of game. But my more recent game that was really popular was called Sweetheart with an X between sweet and heart. And that is more of a game about what it was like to be me as a person from New York City who went to a for-profit art school. And it was like, a very, like a very, it was very culture shocky for me. Like I just, I don't know, the experience was so wild and it really stuck with me. And so it was really fun to get to actually make a a game to kind of like resolve some of those feelings that I had and like the awkwardness and things like that. So yeah, I like, I like games about feelings. I like games that are awkward. I like mundanity a little bit also, I think is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I've got another fun icebreaker. You're into karaoke. What is your favorite like what's your oh, go-to? Gosh. Well, the one that immediately came to my mind is I really was into rap rock for a while and okay. like very specifically Linkin Park, which may not be surprising to the other millennials who listen to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I definitely really like In the End by Linkin Park. I feel like that one just like always gets people very excited. And also I feel like they're like, we didn't expect you to sing that song. You know, like we just, there's there's no world in which like we thought that that was going to be the song that you would pick. So I really like <laughs> I really like picking Lincoln Park because it's really fun. I also really like Amy Winehouse songs. I think that she just has a very deep voice and she just does a lot of roller coastery things, kind of like Mariah Carey, but lower. <laughs> so I also really like singing her songs, Rest in Peace, Amy Winehouse. But yeah, and also Evanescence. Like Evanescence songs are also really fun and toxic by Britney Spears, the interlude part where she just screams. That's like my favorite part. (laughs) That's my favorite part. Yeah. I just like picking lots of weird stuff. Like my whole thing is like doing things that are unexpected and like weird and and like silly. And I feel like those songs, you know, in some ways, except the Amy Winehouse one, which is just like, she's amazing. Um, I feel like those very much track. Yeah. So like, what are your performance like? Do you prefer sort of like the private room or are you like a group type of person? (laughs) I'm I'm definitely a private person. Like I just, I want to go to a room with my closest friends. I don't actually like attention, which is surprising for somebody who has literally spoken on stages in front of hundreds or thousands of people. But my natural state is, is like, I'm pretty introverted. So I, I have gone to actual like karaoke bars and it's pretty fun. And sometimes people will be like, you should sing this song. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) like did not expect that this was going to happen but sure I will indulge you but you know it's it's not as much for me about the performance as much as like performing for other people I mean it's more about performing for myself and and like singing things that I love to listen to so I don't really want to be like a Broadway singer or something like that I just want to go to a room and like make my friends laugh basically yeah I mean you know those the Lincoln Park Evanescence those are kind of like millennial anthems yes you know they really are we, we don't it we don't admit it as much as we should, but you you start singing in the end. Everyone knows they are the lit. words. <laughs> and it don't matter if you're like a hip hop head, if you're in the rock, if yes. you're in arm, you know it. You know yeah. It. Yeah. That Jay-Z crossover, like it it spoke to people in a way that I Chef's just feel kiss. like I hadn't seen before, you know? So I was just like, yeah. 
these are my weird, weird dudes. <laughs> and I'm just going to like yeah. remember them for the rest of my life. We all dunked on Lincoln Park, but we all also know like there's a special place in our hearts for, for Lincoln Park. Yeah. You know, a couple seasons ago, I did a live podcast during San Francisco Design Week. And I had, an, a, you know, I had two women that were also really into karaoke and they sung on the show. But oh, I'm not going to do that to you. Thank you. I'm not going to do that to you. Okay. Oh, I'm so um, out of practice. Yeah. No, I know. It's been a long time. I, I was really into karaoke and I, I just feel like there's a missing piece. Yeah. There's a missing piece in my you life. I really need like 30 people in one room. And like, I, I've had some great birthday parties where that's happened. But yeah, like you need just like people packed into a room and you just need to be screaming your lungs out. And these are all very unsafe things to do right now. Exactly. Exactly. But soon, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> so maybe tell us about like how Kat came to being who she is today and, you know, what's kind of influenced sort of where you're at. Yeah, I'm not going to just say it's something like, oh, yeah, you know, I woke up and I rolled out of bed and 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 I just am me. But like, I think um, I definitely always like had like a certain set of values and, and things that I've been thinking about throughout like the past, like in particular, like the 12 years that I've been a full time designer. But then like before that, like I've always, as I've kind of alluded to, like been this very weird, kind of wacky design loving person, art loving person, games person. And I've just been seeking, like, how do I continuously do all of these things in a way that, you know, makes it so I can like eat and <laughs> like, you know, have enough time to like, just split my brain into the different pieces that it wants to naturally exist in. So when I was a teenager, that's when I found out about design. Um, I actually went to an art school that is pretty famous in New York City. Like every New Yorker that listens to this show will probably know LaGuardia High School. And then everyone else is going to be like, what? But that's where I went to school and that's where I found out about computer graphics. And I just kind of went off from there and was like, cool, like I'm definitely going to do something with my life that involves that, whether that's like graphic design for a book or t-shirts or a website. Like these were all the things that I was experimenting with when I was in high school. And that's what drove me to actually go to the School of Visual Arts. Like I didn't actually apply to any other school. Like I actually only applied to the School of Visual Arts and they were like, yeah, you, you should definitely come here. And so I went into graphic design and that's when I realized that uh, this was around like 2008 or so. Like nobody else was doing digital design at that point in, in the way that I was interested in. Like very few people. I will not remove all of the people who have been in generations before us who have been doing information architecture for years. But it was a very niche field at that point. Like there just weren't as many people talking about it as you see now with like boot camps and so on. So I had to learn a lot and teach myself a lot because my teachers actually didn't really know very much about the subject. And then by the time I got out, I was able to get a junior design position and things just kind of skyrocketed from there. Like I learned more about actual UX and product design while I was working. And I went to a ton of conferences and I met a lot of people. So I definitely think like when it comes to the work that I do as a product designer, it's just constantly asking myself, like, what are the things I'm actually interested in? What are the parts that draw me in every day that I can keep feeling excited about after 40 hours a week, basically. And if I'm not feeling certain parts of that, then I work with my manager or I work with the design team to figure out how can I move toward the things that I like? And like, what does this mean according to the boxes that we currently put people into? And what that can look like sometimes is I've worked at places where they didn't have certain roles that I might be interested in. And sometimes, you know, one 
might leave or like you can advocate for the kind of role you want. So at Etsy, a person I really admire, a couple of people actually were staff designers and they knew that there needed to be a lead design role. And so they advocated for that role. And like, I just take that as a model for how I want to model or manage my own career rather, because I don't want to just, you know, like stick to the boxes that we have right now. I think that the reality that I've learned is that there are a lot of people who are really smart, but we're all kind of guessing <laughs> in some ways. We're all designing, you know, as we're like, we're, we're moving the ship where the, the car is moving and we're designing it while it's moving and we're building it. So it's, it's going to constantly change. And the more senior you get, the more fuzzy everything is. So I'm, I've realized that I can take more of that by the reins and yeah, do more communicating what I want rather than just like asking or thinking, you know, well, we have this and, and that must be it. So that's where I'm at right now. Like it's been a continuous growth of just, you know, first I was just like designing things and now I'm almost in some ways designing my own career. And I've always thought about what has been most interesting and that's helped me to ask for more of what I want over time. Is there sort of like a signal? Like, have you noticed that these different phases or even like you said, you know, that you saw people being able to advocate for sort of like a new type of role? Are there any sort of signals that have kind of been like, you know, maybe it's time or maybe there's an opportunity here or there? Yeah, I think I've noticed that I have some phases. This is like a new thing that is especially inspired by like everybody being forced to like work remote and like introspect a bunch. I definitely noticed that I have some phases where I'm like, I'm just going to kind of like survive and like get comfortable in the thing that I'm doing right now. And then there's another phase where it's like, well, I want more. And then I start asking, can I find the thing that I want here? Or like, do they have is there any opportunity for me to do that thing? Or am I being limited in some way, whether it's by like, I don't know, like the current structure or like what people think I should be doing, et cetera. And I think, you know, like in, in past jobs, I've definitely moved on because I've recognized like, okay, well, I asked for this thing, but maybe they just don't have that right now. Or like maybe I've, I've, I've definitely also had situations where I wasn't getting clear signal about like, what's the gap, but I was like, you know, I work on it some something for like a couple of years. And then I was like, well, <laughs> I definitely need to do something else. I just want like a bigger, more interesting challenge. I find that I very often hit like a ceiling of like, okay, well, I did that. I learned that. And if you can't tell by my whole personality, I like want to try something else after that. Like once I feel like I'm, I'm confidently able to like run the thing. So I think that's definitely a big signal for me is, can I run this thing on autopilot almost? And if I can, then I want something that's like new. I need a modifier of some kind to make it more interesting or like harder, which feels almost very video gamey <laughs> in a way. It's like, you know, like, okay, well, I, I beat that level. Like, what's the next one? Like, I, I want something else. Uh, I need some kind of progression. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, you wrote around kind of like your decision-making process, because at one point you wanted to sort of dive into management. And, you know, I think one of the things that comes to mind, especially when thinking about your career, at one point, moving into design management was kind of like a part or considered a part of the linear process, right? But for you, you kind of went down that path and you decided that it wasn't something for you. And you know, I'd, I'd love for you to maybe kind of dive into some of your thinking around that, because I think what you're starting to see in the community now is discussions around, you know, what does career growth look like, right? Not every startup has actually put any thought into these types of things. You might get this at larger organizations, but 
you know, people are probably a little bit less vocal about that piece, at, at least in public. So maybe kind of take us through your thought process around that. And are you happy with the decision that you made? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I had the benefit about six years or so into my career of getting to first start with interns and just manage. I got to co-manage an intern. And what I learned from that experience was I wanted a little bit more control over the hiring process because we had to do that together. And so I didn't really feel like that was fully the experience I was looking for. I did also get some mentorship experience from that, which was great. And then after that experience, I got to actually hire two uh, <laughs> two, and two interns. So I was hiring and managing two people. And obviously, managing interns is a very unique experience because these people have not ever been in the workforce before. So there's a bit of sometimes you have to show them how to actually work. And then you also have to at the same time, be responsible for their output and negotiate things like pay and so on. But I, I will say that I had some fun with that. Like, I think there's something really interesting about building out a team. But I think what I also realized is the parts that drove me more were the parts that I still had to do as an IC, where I was actually helping those people to create designs as part of a larger experience. I honestly didn't find the other parts of management, I'll say middle management, I'm sure that it's very different when you're a director, etc. But I, I found myself less interested in some of the, the more peopling side of things and much more interested in how can we as a team design experiences. And, and like, I just feel really compelled by designing and building bigger and better things. And so something I'm really interested in long term personally is how can we have more concepts of like lead designers that aren't managing people because I think these are two very intense jobs and mushing them together. You know, for me, I had to do manager coach, like player coach type management. And I think like I was definitely burning out at that point. So that was, that was like a good, like, you know, kind of stepping my toe into the water, realizing like, oh, there are parts of this I enjoy, but I think the parts of this I like are things that I can do as an IC individual contributor. And so that maybe means that I should stick to that and figure out how I can infuse those parts into my current job. And if I get to a point where I'm tired of the core things that I do as a senior or a staff IC, well, then that's a bigger conversation that I need to have. And I can then figure out like, do I want to manage people at that point? Do I want to do something else. And so far I've, I've checked in with myself every year basically. And I really love mentoring people. I really love creating awesome stuff with people like in collaboration with people. I don't actually even need to be the person doing the super detailed specs and Figma, but I do really have a lot of opinions about experience design and I want to be in those conversations and I want to even like drive those conversations. So I'm picking up something thematically here, right? You've really kind of, you haven't said it explicitly, but I think you've really kind of alluded to the importance of like having senior designers or experts on your team or leads. Maybe kind of take us through why. Yeah, I think it's been a, an interesting conversation over the years. I think that as a team scales, as a company scales, it becomes a lot harder for managers to be both responsible for design direction and to manage people because there get to be so many people and so many relationships that you have to keep track of that 
if you stick to that player coach model, you need a lot of managers and that can start to add a lot of layers. And then you start to, you may start to find that uh, designs take longer to build and ship. And so the thing that I like about having more staff and senior ICs who can actually step into like lead design roles and be like many design directors is that those people are much closer to the work. They're more hands-on. They are able to do things at a level where they can essentially say like, yes, approval, no approval. They can be the quality bar people. And you can have managers focus on the people stuff, uh, which I hope is a thing that they are mostly in it for. So you know, I, I just, I feel like I've seen so many people struggle with like feeling like they have to go into management also, which is the side benefit of this is that you then don't have people feeling pressured because they think management is the only way to grow. So I actually think the biggest benefit is as you're scaling a team, you now have people who can like make things so much more efficient. But, you know, the other benefit is that now you have two tracks and that just gives more people choice. And, and so it's just better, in my opinion, for everybody all around. Yeah. So maybe kind of take us through your day to day. Like what does Cat Small, the staff designer, like what do you do? So I am specifically responsible for a product area in Asana called Goals. And Asana is a work management platform and they essentially are helping people to be able to organize their work and give it purpose and explain why we're prioritizing certain things. So I actually joined to help create that that product area and to bring it from an idea of like, we think that this is going to be really important. This is a big part of our mission to like an actual existing living product within Asana. So every day is very different. There are some days where I am thinking about like, what is the the vision for our product is going to be down the line, how close or how far are we from it? And then, you know, that might boil down to things like, well, we need to make sure that other people can actually create uh, experiences that connect to our products because we don't just want to have this thing siloed off in the corner. We want to make sure that it's, you know, interacting with the rest of Asana. I might make des- design guidelines. I might be specking things out because I do still actually ship a lot of things uh, with engineers. I do also collaborate with a good number of designers. So I'm in a lot of meetings. Like I have a lot of meetings, but they're really like productive conversations where sometimes we'll jam and figure out like, how do we move things forward? I actually review pull requests like from from engineers as well because we found that it's really helpful for me to look at screenshots of of designs and sometimes like copy is in there and stuff like that. But that's the way that I stay connected with the folks who are actually building things. So yeah, my job essentially is like, I'm a person who is figuring out like, what's the design vision, the experience vision for this product area? And how do we actually, how do we make sure that the things we're building day to day are actually like moving us toward that? And then how do we make sure that we're matching the experience quality that people expect from Asana across the board and that we have a bar of quality or like an expectation, we're setting expectations about like what we think uh, the experience quality bar should be for goals itself. Yeah. And, And so what does that look like? At least I'm assuming you're not the only designer working on this product. And so what does that look like? Is there a handoff situation? Is it a collaboration with other designers? How does one fit into a role like this? So how it works is specifically when we came up with a a longer term vision, we were able to then say like, 
we need help with this <laughs> because I was for a while a designer working on this. And I was like leading a lot of the work that we were doing to actually get uh, from design sprint to launch product. And there were a variety of designers who would contribute from other parts of the product as well. And then what we were able to do is say, well, we need people who can be a part of this longer term. And I, I think that's why it's really important to make sure that you have a vision because then you can actually impact your company's roadmap by saying, this is what we're thinking things are going to look like in a couple of years. And if we want this to happen, then we need to actually have the people and the staffing to, to make that possible. So yeah, it's not just me anymore, which has been really great. We've had a couple of folks come onto the team and... Yeah, like I am excited because one of the things that I'm looking forward to is also having a an apprentice uh, <laughs> join. So one thing that we're going to do this year is actually have a design apprentice join the team. And we are just building out more features to make sure that people are able to connect their work to goals in a way that makes them feel like their work has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you help drive in terms of like that program? The apprenticeship? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's like, I, I have a lot of side projects in and outside of work. It's something that I definitely advocated for. We historically did have an internship program, but internships are uh, at Asana more connected to colleges. And they, Asana has actually had a, a uh, program for engineers for a while, but we didn't have a design program. So I and several other uh, design folks uh, actually made a proposal and said, hey, like we should definitely do this because we want to make sure that our team, you know, can keep up essentially with broader diversity at Asana. And so, yeah, this is going to be the first year. I'm really excited about it. And honestly, yeah, can't wait to, to see the folks that we end up working with for this and how it grows and changes over time. So, so like, what is, what's the difference between the internship and apprenticeship, right? Because usually internships are kind of only over maybe a semester period. Is this something like a full-time sort of thing? Like it's obviously it's paid, I'm assuming. Maybe kind of take us to the difference of that and why this angle. Yeah. So apprenticeships, they're usually, I believe, six months, and they are usually focused toward people who are coming from boot camps, uh, who may have other work experience and have transitioned into the role that they're going into, whether that's design or engineering. And in addition to that, or they might be self-taught, for example. So we're looking for folks who are, as people might call it, coming from non-traditional paths, which is funny because like technically, I, I mean, I didn't, I guess I kind of am from a traditional path, but I'm also kind of non-traditional, like I'm somewhat self-taught. So, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like I empathize and with a lot of people who've gone through boot camps, and I also know many people who have gone through it and are extremely talented. So, I think like this is going to be really great for people who are very early into their career, didn't go to college for the thing that they now want to do, and um, are very high potential essentially. So, it's it's really exciting because I think this is another pathway for folks. Where probably I, I hope we see a lot of folks who look like me. And the people that I, I know and have, you know, are, am friends with and, and work with in the city, I just really hope that this, you know, is another way that we can kind of broaden the pathways to getting into both this company and, and tech uh, overall. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's Harrison again. I'm sure if you haven't heard by now, I just released the Technically Speaking Product Design Glossary. It's 118 need-to-know terms centered around the ins and out of user experience design. The best part about it is that it's a free download. 
head on over to technicallyspeakinghw.com or our Instagram for more information. I want to switch gears kind of into that topic. This is something that, you know, I know you're extremely passionate about. You've done presentations. You obviously have written about it. When it comes to design leadership and diversifying teams, maybe what are some of the what are some of the themes that, you know, you've been really kind of focusing on as of late? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of reading that back, like just leadership, making sure that teams are are diverse. Yeah, I think it comes into a couple of things. Part of it is definitely in that piece that I wrote. Like, I think it's really important to think about, like, I'm thinking a lot about, like, how do I look at both what somebody has done and, like, how that might translate into what they could do, you know, if they were given more support or if they had some time and space to learn and grow. So I'm involved in a lot of hiring, mostly as a a person who participates in interviews and does various workshop exercises with people. And I definitely in those conversations try to ask myself, well, like, let me list out the reasons why I would hire this person, why I wouldn't and think about how many of those reasons why I wouldn't are like real red flags versus just like things that we could probably deal with if we trained this person or gave this other kind of support. And I feel like that's been really huge uh, for me over the years. And yeah, I just really try to think about potential. I personally look a little bit less at at like, has this person done this exact thing in a different context before? Because I feel like when I look at myself, I don't think I would want to go to a new job and do exactly the same thing. Like I literally never have. Like I joined Asana because I was ready to grow. The person that was going to manage me, she offered me work that was very new and compelling and was a step up for me. And I want to be able to support other people in that way. So that's something that I'm definitely looking at as well. And then, yeah, I think there's like thinking about many people have talked about the idea of culture ad uh, versus culture fit, and then maybe it's values fit (laughs) instead. And I feel like that combination of, of thinking can really result in having just a a more diverse team. And then I think, you know, like my my hope is that by thinking about potential, especially when it comes to leadership, I want more, I want more diversity when it comes to the people who are actually, you know, like making the decisions. And and part of that is definitely also that potential bit. Cause, you know, a lot of folks have been looked over and sometimes you really have to look at what they might be able to do rather than if they had the correct title. Yeah. When it comes to sort of the value component, like, are there any examples of the types of values? I don't know if we want to touch on this, but are there anything specifically that or thematically that teams might want to consider when kind of going through that type of exercise? Yeah, I think like what values means to me is Asana, for example, does have values like rejecting false trade-offs, for example, is a value. So they're looking for people who are able to you know, see beyond like the options that are presented and how can we not compromise per se, but actually reach a solution that everybody is satisfied with. Like, I think those are examples of of values for sure. But I, I think beyond that, I'm looking for things like, is this person a yes and kind of person or could they become a yes and kind of person? Are they somebody who responds well to feedback? I don't really, I try not to think about things like, oh, will I be best friends with this person? Because that doesn't mean they can do a good job. Um, so it, it's it's more about understanding like what's important to this person, how do they communicate, and how much of their communication that we feel is necessary is coachable. And then overall is, you know, there's always like mission alignment type stuff, but I, I think overall it's it's maybe more about what kind of output do they want to bring into the world and do we have 
what they're looking for here. Like, I actually think it's also really great to ask people what kind of support and like what kind of work they're hoping to do. Not that, you know, I think you want to leave some space for flexing on that because there may be times where I'm trying to think of how to frame this, but yeah, I think like there's a certain amount of like some people that I've talked to really know what they're looking for. And so I think it shouldn't just be about asking, well, are you a right fit for this company? It's also like, are we a right fit for you? And like, how much do those things match up, if that makes sense? So I love to ask people like, what do you want out of your next role? And like, that can be a great conversation starter for like, oh yeah, well, we have a team of mentors. Like I will gladly volunteer to be this person's mentor because they're looking for this. They want to have design crits. Like, you know, I can just say like this person, you know, maybe they don't have exactly the experience that we're looking for in terms of X, Y, or Z because they haven't worked at big company A, B, or C. But like, I think with a little bit of support and like the right people, the right environment, this person is going to just be a, a superstar, essentially. Like I try not to say those words, but yeah, you know, like I, I really think that it's it's more about building the story of like who this person is and humanizing them. That's really important to me. Yeah. And I think that is a sound piece of advice, right? Like I'm, I'm a big proponent, especially like with my directs, like I tell them that they are in the driver's seat as far as their career progression goes. I can't predict what they want unless they don't tell me and I can't support them unless they're able to actually articulate where they need the support. And so I think that just sound advice for anybody going in, right? To sort of say, Hey, here are the things that I'm looking for. And I think one of the themes like throughout all of the discussions that I've had on this pod is really kind of this shift from what can I provide for the company to sort of like, what can the company provide for me, right? Like, and that's really kind of central to the value because now you're living, you're living a life that you feel good about and you've got a company that you can support. And when those things happen, you know, hopefully you're happy in the work that you do and you're, you're growing. So yes, um, thank you so much for that. Hashtag synergy. Um, so yes. Look, <laughs> hashtag synergy. Uh, uh. I was going to say a hashtag something like, what's the name of the tool you work on again? Oh, Asana. <laughs> hashtag. No, I mean the experience. What's the experience? Oh, goals. Yes. <laughs> hashtag hashtag goals. goals. I was going to say that. And I was like, oh, I feel like this is a very inappropriate time to interject. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely that person. I earlier I was like, oh, I should I should not say a hundred emoji, but I really want to say a hundred emoji because I just like fully agreed with something you were saying. So that's where we are right now. You know, it's fine. Hashtags are on the table, emojis are on the table. It's all good. Yeah. And your snoot boops. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> awesome. So look, we're towards the end of the show. How can people get in touch with you. Yes. So I personally am on Twitter a fair amount. I don't tweet as often as I used to, but you can find me on Twitter at catsmall, C-A-T-T-S-M-A-L-L, -T -T two T's, two L's. I also have a blog, which you can find on my website, catsmall.com. My games are also on there. And I'm also on Medium, same username. I'm pretty much the same thing everywhere except Instagram because somebody is parking my username. But those are the best ways to find me. If you are interested in joining Asana, you can check out the, the asana.com slash jobs website. I'm pretty sure that's correct. And <laughs> we're also on Twitter. So definitely check out uh, the Asana design team on Twitter. Other than that, we're, we're hiring a ton. Seriously, though, like if you want to join Asana, if you want to work with me, um, we are hiring for a good variety of roles across design products and just really excited to continue being a part of the team and, and seeing it grow. 
Awesome. Also, like for folks that are listening to this, you can't see, <laughs> but Kat's background is, I think, what is that? Pink is that? Oh, orange, yeah. Red? It's like, a pink. Color? It's a, I'm in a pink wonderland right now. Yes. It's one of my favorite yeah. colors. I love all shades of red. So I have made my room bubblegum pink. <laughs> nice. Nice. I was going to say, is this like an Asana brand? Like, uh, <sighs> Recording room too. Mm. Did you ever think about that before? I should See, now think you can about be an Asana that. Influencer. Yeah. And you'd be like, hey Asana, can you pay me for make that subliminally podcast? advertising? Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll put some I'll put the logo right in the corner somewhere <laughs> in my room. I'm like, pay for Asana. It's cool. It is great though. <laughs> I really love it. Yeah. Well, Kat, I hear it's snowing in New York right now. So don't slip out there. Stay warm. Thank you. And as always, <laughs> being awesome. Thank you for, for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me.